You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Open your Bible, please, to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. I praise the Lord tonight that as an eight-year-old boy, he saved my soul. I didn't know a lot about sin, but I knew I was a sinner. And the Lord saved me from my sin. I thank the Lord that when I was a freshman in high school, he put a burning desire in my heart to serve him in a full-time capacity. And between my junior and senior year, I felt called to be a youth director. And that's all I ever wanted to be. That's all I've ever aspired to be was a youth director. I never... Never wanted to be a pastor, never wanted to be a missionary, never wanted to be an evangelist. Just wanted to be a youth director. That's what cool guys usually felt called to do, is just be youth directors. I remember when I went to Baptist Bible College, they had three courses at that time. A pastor's course, a missionary course, and a music course. And so I didn't know what to sign up for, because I just wanted to be a youth director. And so I was sort of confused a little bit, and they said, well, sign up for the pastor's course. You'll be pastoring a young group of people. And, and I had envisioned what my dad went through starting a church, and in his very first year of pastoring, 38 years old, had his first of three heart attacks. And so I blamed the church for that, and I did not want any part of pastoring. And then they said, well, how about being a missionary? Because really the teenagers are a subculture. It's like going to a foreign country. Yeah. <laughs> but I was afraid if I'd take missions, God would call me to Africa. And I just wasn't interested in going out of America or somewhere where they threw spears. <laughs> and then they tried to convince me that music, because that was helpful. And when you go to churches, a lot of times smaller churches have to have a man that can handle youth and music. And I said, no, I know way too many musicians, and I'm just not going to fit in with that crowd. So, And now your pastor's here. So <laughs> that's the crowd I tried to avoid back then. But, you know, uh, they said, well, they talked me into it. So I became a, a music major. And so I took an entrance exam, and out of 50 questions, I got two correct. Wow. And now they're counseling me not to take the music course which when an 18-year-old is told you can't do it, I said, then that's the course I want to take. And so God, through his sovereignty, I've seen God work in my life, and I wasn't even aware of the fact how he was working. I just wanted to reach teenagers. And then in time, I became a pastor and turned over our church, and now I'm a flaming evangelist. I don't even know what that is, but I'm preaching in people's churches all across the country. Never dreamed this. And so I want to tell you tonight, young people, I wouldn't waste one second not surrendering to full-time ministry. There is no greater vocation. Sign up, and if God says no, then say okay. But make yourself available. I thank God for the privilege of serving him. You know, the Bible says we ought to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. 
you want to feel the presence of God, start thanking him. Praise him. I think we need a little religious exercise tonight. You look like you're getting way too comfortable. Long week, you're tired, you're pooped out. It's nice and warm in here. And like my dad used to say, I'm convinced if you would take all your members and lay them end to end in the pews, they'd be a whole lot more comfortable. So if you get tired tonight, go ahead and fall asleep. That's fine with me, just don't snore. Because if you snore, I'm coming out right where you are, hallelujah. But I think we ought to spark it up a little bit in here. So let's have a little religious exercise. And uh, I want you to look at the person next to you and repeat after me. Uh, that's about a third of you. You're, you're not following instructions. Let me, microphone. Okay. Look at the person next to you and repeat after me. Say, I am so glad. Oh, my. You, you're living up to your reputation of northerners. Come on, folks. Be at least spirit-filled northerners tonight. Say it with some zeal like you mean it. And look at that person deep into their eyes and say, I am so glad, I am so glad that, I that I do not look like you. <laughs> now, how many of you meant that when you said that? See, you can be thankful for something tonight. We're in Luke chapter 18, and if you were here Wednesday night, we're considering the subject of prayer. And here's the reason why. Because we're involved in a missions conference. Prayer is important for any follower of Jesus Christ. But it's especially important when we think about missions. When Jesus was trying to get his church to get a vision of the lost world. Look at the fields. They're widened to harvest. Before he said, go ye. Before he said, give ye, he said, pray ye. I can't exaggerate the importance of prayer. My dad said so many things that I absorbed, but he said so often, prayer is the hardest work I know. That's why many of us will excuse ourselves from it. Ian Bounds said, prayer can do anything God can do. It's just that nobody believes it. John R. Rice said, all our failures are prayer failures. Jesus said, whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Sounds like prayer can do anything God can do. That's right. Yeah. And so we have read two times now, Luke chapter 18, and let me refresh your memory of the event that we are looking at. Here's a blind man, and obviously is very much aware of the Old Testament scriptures. He's anticipating the coming of the Messiah. And being in an open field, there's a multitude that's passing by, and he hears the noise, he hears the commotion, he inquires what it's all about, and someone said, Jesus of Nazareth is out there. And immediately 
He jumped on the opportunity. And the good book says, he cried with a loud voice, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And they which went before rebuked him that he should hold his peace. But he cried so much the more. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood and commanded that he be brought to him. And he said to him, what wilt thou that I shall do unto thee? He said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. Yes. Let's visit that passage. Look in Luke 18. Let's pick up there in verse number 41. He said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, receive thy sight. Thy faith hath saved thee. And notice, and immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise unto God. Amen. We learn from our quick and brief study of Luke 18 that if we're going to learn to pray to where we gain the ear of God. We must, first of all, pray with passion. Secondly, we must pray with persistence. God is not our bellhop that he just does everything we ask him to do the second we ask him. We then must be very precise. Give it some thought. What one thing can God do for you that would change your life to set you free to serve God? What one thing could God do for your home? What one thing could God do for this church? We need to be precise. That's why we encourage people to have prayer journals or some type of writing down our prayer requests as we bring them before the Lord so that we just don't pray constantly a shotgun prayers based on how we feel that moment. Let's get serious. Let's think this through. What do we really want God to do? Yes, sir. Yep. Then we must pray with positivity. Amen. And the Bible word for that is faith. We're saved by faith. We're justified by faith. We walk by faith. We live by faith. We can't please God without faith. How can we even begin to pray without faith? And we learned how we can increase our faith by removing the world and reading the word. And tonight, I want to 
teach, preach a little bit on my favorite part of prayer. It's the, it, it's the cherry on top. And for those of you who don't like cherries, I don't like cherries. I always give mine to Lori when I, I have a Sunday. Just give me extra chocolate, extra caramel. But tonight, look in verse 43, and when they saw it, whoa, 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 folks, our world needs to see God's power. Amen. Can I talk to the old folks for a moment? You young people, just sit, don't listen to what I'm saying, and don't use it against the old folks. But you old folks in here tonight, I'm one of yous. But you know what one of the problems of our young people are in our churches? They haven't seen God and God's power. They've heard a lot. And in this generation, there's more talk than walk. And I'd encourage you if the sermon gets dry tonight or sometime between now and Sunday, you old timers, you read the old timers Psalm, Psalm 71. And you'll find down around verse number 18 where the psalmist says, I'm an old man now, but God help me. I want to show this younger generation thy power. Amen. It's what Caleb said. Yes, sir. When they went in the promised land, he could have sit back and said, hey, I've done my job. Man, I've worked my tail off for over 40 years. And I'm going to let these young pups go in and take care of it. No. He said, give me, the, give me the biggest enemy in that land. And you study it out. That's what he was asking for. And he said, and the reason is because my strength is just as strong today as it was 40 years ago. And by the way, it's not because he had a, a, a total gem in his tent. Yeah. <laughs> he understood the victory the battle belongs to the Lord. Yes, and he was as strong in his faith today as he was 40 years ago. Amen. And we need some of our senior saints that will let God rule and reign in their life. And rather than criticizing the young people for the lackadaisical attitude and the sinful lifestyles they engage in, they need to see God. In our lives. Yes, amen. Okay, now young people wake up. You guys need to get with the program. Most revivals in church history came as a result of young people getting on fire. That's history. And if you want to see America, whether you want to see America revived again, maybe you don't even understand American history enough to know how much we have changed because you were born in the change. And that's why us old people are frustrated because we've seen it change. You are in that change. But if you want to see God do something incredible, part the Red Sea, you can see greater than that. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. 
And he's looking for a place where he can show himself strong. You know what that means? He wants to do something miraculous. But he doesn't do miracles for carnal people. Because carnal people don't know how to handle power. He's looking for a people whose heart is perfect toward him. That doesn't mean sinless, because you'll never be sinless. Um, I sin far less than any of you. So you're never going to be as good of a Christian as I am. But. So when I say perfect, he's not talking about sinless, but completely devoted to him. Yes, sir. Right. Yep. He'll do the miraculous. Yes. Amen. You want to see your church just take over this town? It'd be good if the old folks led the way. But if they slow it down, you guys can do it. Amen. Let no man despise thy youth, but be cocky and show the adults how cool we really are. That's not what he says. Let no man despise thy youth, but be an example of the believer. Just live it. And you watch, God will use this youth department to turn this city upside down. That's not in the sermon. So we got to hurry up and get out of here because I'm tired. All right. And when they saw it, they gave praise unto God. The last P is we need to pray with praise. Amen. That's good. Praise. Praise. We ought to praise the Lord. Yes. Are you listening to me? Some of you thinking, well, he's... He's a little Baptocostal. I'm telling you right here, right now. If it wasn't for doctrine, I'd be charismatic. I would. If it wasn't for doctrine, I'd be charismatic. I have some charismatic friends. They're the happiest people you ever meet. They talk like Jesus is in the room. They're unashamed to praise Jesus. They are ashamed. They're not ashamed to pray when they're out in public. They'll go to the fanciest of restaurants, bow their heads, dear God, thank you for this wonderful provision you've provided for us. We love you, Lord, and and to give us the ability to supersize the meal tonight. Hallelujah, praise Jesus, thank you. They They just believe Jesus is here. You get around those fundamental, independent, narrow-minded, King James only, red-letter edition, no fun Baptists, and they go out to eat, and they knock a napkin on the floor. Dear Lord, bless the food. Thank you. Amen. <laughs> Dad, we're going to pray. Shh. Don't want to make a scene. I got it covered. We ought to be the praisingest people on the planet. Amen. When God does something, you ought to praise him. Some of you are going to hurt yourself. Now, I know you're in the north, but if you're saved, you're allowed to act like a Christian is supposed to act. And do you know Christians say, amen? Amen. Are you with me tonight? This has nothing to do with culture and how you were raised. I'm talking about what the Bible says. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. And if you don't, it's going to hurt your development as a Christian. Yes. Have you ever, how many know what it is to get a good sneeze in? Uh I mean, I love everything about sneezing. I like just just the thought of it. And you know how, you don't know if it's really going to be one, how it just, 
You're thinking, oh, I hope it, and it does, it, it catches. <laughs> and when I sneeze, man, I sneeze everything I got. I let it out. And I always sneeze in pairs. Hey, if it's good once, it's good twice, hallelujah. <laughs> so let's don't limit it. When I was young, I loved to sneeze. And my mom, especially in church, yeah, I'd start, my, and she'd look at, <laughs> man, and so if I couldn't let it go, I was just going to let it get to the point. And I, <clears throat> now, how many have ever held in a sneeze? Man, that hurts, doesn't it? Tell the truth, it hurts. I'm telling you, my mom, she still scares me today and she's in heaven. <laughs> and I'm telling you what, when I feel like I got to sneeze, I pinch the nose if I'm in church right away. I can't risk it because when you're older, you don't have near the control that you once had. <laughs> you got to be careful on things like that. And I'm telling you what, you hold sneezes in for 30 years like I did, you, you're going to have a hernia. I've had two of them, and I mean, you, and now you got problems. And way too many Christians get the joy of the Lord in their heart, and they just want to, oh, that was good. Oh, give me a break. Church is participation. Yes, I'm preaching, but that doesn't mean you have to sit there like a, a wooden Indian. Yeah. My word, get involved in the service, hallelujah. And if you agree with the truth that's been proclaimed, you ought to verify it that it's true in your life with a good hearty, amen. amen. When they saw this miracle, they couldn't help it. The man, he started glorifying God and praising God. And it says in the audience, when they saw it, they started praising God. You know Hebrews 13, 15, the good book says, by him therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is, the fruit of our lips giving Thanks to his name. If anyone ought to be thankful, it's us. I read somewhere, just suppose you woke up tomorrow morning with everything that you thanked God for today. What would you have? I'll tell you three things I pray for every morning before I ever get out of bed. I thank God that he saved me. Now, I joke about being a little bit better, but the truth of the matter is, I'm still amazed to this day that God loves me. Yes, yes. He knows every thought I've ever had. Yes. That alone would damn me forever. He knows every word that's come out of my mouth. And some of the harshest, meanest words that have come out of these lips have been directed to the people that I love most. Yeah, help us. And I wish I could reel them back, and I can't. 
God knows everything I've done in front of church people and in front of no one. That's why the Bible can rightly say, there is none righteous. No, not one. That's right. And to think that God loves me still boggles my mind. So I don't take for granted my salvation. I thank God, secondly, for my wife and my kids, my family my mom and dad, and my in-laws. All those mother-in-law jokes, they weren't true of mine. I just didn't get my mother-in-law around long enough. She died 20 years ago. She was a good lady and good to me. Far nicer to me than Lori's brothers. (laughs) I thank God thirdly For my health. My dad used to say the richest man in all the world is the man who has his health and he doesn't even know it. I'm 49 years old. Not today. Stay with me. When I was 49 years old, I'm laying on a surgeon's table. They're going to saw my chest in half and do a bypass surgery. I had a horrible recovery time. To the point four years later, I had to have another bypass surgery and I refused to sign the documents because I was never over the first one. I thank God for my health. When you're counting down from 100, realizing this might be the last time I count on this planet, and you wake up and see your wife and family, you're thankful for your health. I'm just saying we have an awful lot to thank God for that we take for granted. And we get mad because he doesn't bring us more stuff. Yes, yes. When the psalmist said that he already loads us up daily with benefits. Daily. I'm just saying, we of all people ought to be a thankful people. Uh And thankful people praise God. I sit on the front row at home for several reasons. Number one, I just don't like to be distracted. You sit in the back and you get distracted, or I do. I have the the attention span of a gerbil, so for me, I just... I got to be up front and little distractions. And plus, I like to sing. I'm not a very good singer, but I like to sing. And I I get into it. I mean, when they announce the page number, I mean, we don't use your hymnals. Uh, What kind of apostate hymnal is this? Okay. Oh, yeah. That's that's not an apostate hymnal. Um, But I know our pages from our hymnals. And when they announce the page number, I'm amen and already. Amen. I know what's coming. I know the song. I know the message in the song. And so I get to sing it. I mean, I sing loud. And the problem is, I don't, I'm not very helpful if I'm sitting behind someone. I mean, I've lived with women my whole life. Come on. And my mood changes a lot during a song. And 
So I may start off singing the melody, but then I'll drop and sing the bass, and then I might change and sing the tenor line, and, and if it's a low enough song, I'll just screech it out, sing a little bit of alto with the ladies, and sometimes I just make up a part. And if, I, if I'm sitting behind you, it's going to throw you off. But if I'm up in front, the only one I'm going to throw off is the song leader. And shoot, he's being paid to wave his arms. So I don't care if he gets thrown off or not. I'm going to sing it out. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. I'm part of that, all ye lands. I want to praise the Lord. And if anyone ought to, it ought to be this crowd here. And quite frankly, one of the reasons why some of our young people leave our churches for non-denom churches is not because they're apostates. Their whole life, the emphasis has been crossing, crossing the T's and dotting the I's. And by the way, it does make a difference what you believe. Doctrine determines destiny. So it's imperative you get the doctrine right. But if that's how we judge our Christianity, we're missing the whole thing. The blind man didn't know his theology to the point he said, I don't know if he's a God or a devil. But I do know this. Yesterday I couldn't see. Today I can. Now you want to explain any way you want. I'm going to tell you, I believe it was Jesus. Salvation is an experience. It's a relationship. It deals with our feelings. When you get saved, you ought to feel something. Hallelujah. And even those of you that don't have feelings, you'll feel a little and you're scared of it. I understand there's different personalities, but I'm saying tonight, God's people, if they want to get their prayers connected to heaven, they need to praise God. Amen. Quite frankly, this comes at the end of the lesson, but in reality... Psalm 100 verse 4 says we should enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. You want to feel God? Oh, can I get off track? I don't know what time it is. I'll preach fast. How many remember these words? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken? Was that not from the lips of our Lord Jesus right. or being crucified? Well, long before he ever said it, a songwriter in the Old Testament said the same words. And I know you theologians are going to tell us, well, that's a messianic psalm. I understand that. But the songwriter writing it at that time did not know that. The inspiration of God did. This man was broke. In fact, let's just turn there. Because someday you're going to go through a time in your life where you feel like God has forsaken you. Turn to Psalm 22. Psalm 22. 22nd Psalm. I'm off track a little bit, but it'll be worth it. This is just a commercial. Just don't go to the bathroom, okay? <laughs> Notice that? Verse, how many got it? Psalm 22, raise your hand, got it? Psalm 22, verse 1. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? This man is hurting. Notice how bad. Why 
art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? There may come a time or two in your life that you'll be hurting. The word roaring here is the sound of a wounded animal. A cry that you never forget if you haven't heard it. And here's a man that's puzzled. He's talking about his God. I'm hurting God. Where are you? I can't find you. Look, verse 2. Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not. And in the night season, and I'm not silent. God, the only thing I can do is cry out to you. I'm hurting so bad. I try to go to sleep early to put myself, my conscious mind out of the misery. But every time I wake up or even come to my conscious mind, I begin crying out to you again, and yet you don't hear me. It's a tough place to be. I've been there. Some of you have been there. Some of you may be there. Does God ever leave us? but it sure feels like it sometimes. Let's be honest. Then look what he says in verse 3. He's trying to deal with his feelings. Folks, feelings are wonderful, but sometimes they can mislead us. Obviously, they did this man. He's hurting so bad, he's presuming that God has left him, forsaken him, doesn't want him anymore. But look in verse 3, the first word, what is it? Say it together. In English, we learn that's a conjunction of contrast. He's, he's trying to get his feelings under control. And he's going to deal with his feelings with fact. And so he, he says, what is a fact? But thou Art holy. What's he saying? Come on. Sinless. Yes, we know that. But it has a practical application. When he can't sin, what does that mean? God never makes a mistake. Never makes a mistake. But there'll be times you'll feel like God did. And some people never get over it, never forgive God. Right. And they'll believe a lie to the grave. But this songwriter got his feelings under control. He said, but thou art holy. You can't make a mistake. Mm -hmm. And then he reminds himself where he can find God. It seems like God has left him, but he knows where to find him. The last part of verse 3 says, O thou 
that inhabitest the praises of Israel. You know what he's saying? I know where I can find him. God inhabits, he dwells with. He inhabits the praises of his people. You want to feel God? Unashamedly, I'm going to tell you, I want to feel God. Now, I know he's with me whether I feel him or not. But I want to feel his presence. And I know how to find him. Because he dwells in the praises of his people. That's why it's imperative that when we pray, we praise him. We want to be ushered into the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And especially when you're down so low that you feel like God has left you. You start praising him. Well, what can I praise him for when I'm so down? Start with the fact that he saved you. That's the greatest miracle any of us will ever experience. Someone that couldn't believe if they wanted to. God gave you faith so that you could believe. Gave you your salvation. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Who guides us into all truth. Who chastens us when we get out of line. Not to even the score. But just to get us back on the path. Where God can abundantly bless us. There's a lot of things we can praise God. The songwriter said in 370 in our hymnal. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. And it will surprise you what God has done. I have a prayer book at home that I keep, and it's probably two inches, two and a half, maybe three inches thick. And when we travel, we travel so light, we have just a carry-on bag no matter where we go and for how long we go. We just came back from a seven-week trip with a carry-on only. And so we, everything's light. And so my, my prayer list now, oh, I do have it, is on my phone. And it's not how I like it. I don't like anything electronic. But it sure works for us on the move. And I have a blessings note in here. And right now I'm at 146 blessings. Up and above the daily loadeth blessings. And I go through and I thank God for all those. And you know, when I start thanking them and talking them out, thank you, Lord. I remember it brings back the memory of the joy when God provided that. And I started out down in the dumps, but just going over the blessings of God just this calendar year. I'm ushered into the presence of God. Amen. And I feel him once again. We ought to praise God. Yes, Yes, he is. 
You want to tweet something? Tweet this. You worship what you love. You praise what you worship. You meditate on that a while. Yeah. That's why I said all that's why Jesus said all the commandments hang on too. You love God with all your heart, soul. Why is that so important? Because then you'll worship him. Yeah. Yes. What's worship? Giving. You can't worship without giving. Right. Right. When someone worships a sporting team, they give everything. Their energy, their mind their efforts, their loyalty, their money, their time. And then when they worship, all they do is talk about that dumb team. That's called praise. You have heard me talk three nights now. But you haven't had the privilege of meeting or chatting with my wife. She's a good girl. She has a temperament that I wished I was born with. I just don't have that temperament. She is calm. She can take a screaming kid and just pick them up and with that smile of hers, the kid stops crying. I can stop a kid from crying, but then I go to jail. She does it just with her aura. She can sing beautifully. She's a great teacher. She's an awesome cook. She's the hostess to the mostess. If she ever invites you to our home, don't miss it. You'll find I'm not exaggerating. She's a great mother. The grandchildren adore her. She smiles all the time. She smiles in her sleep. Quite frankly, that bothers me. (laughs) She's a good wife. What have I been doing? I'm praising my wife. I didn't say, hey, praise the wife. Praise the wife. I could sound spiritual because her name's Lori and I nickname, I just call her Lore every now and then. I could say, well, praise the Lore. (laughs) Sounds pretty spiritual, doesn't it? (laughs) Praise the Lore. Now, folks, is there anything wrong with saying praise the Lord? No. But is that praising the Lord? Praising the Lord means to talk about his attributes. Talk about what he has done. And if there's ever a place where the people of God should feel safe and confident to speak of God, it ought to be in the house of God. It shouldn't be all about sports and politics. Do that on your own time, your own homes. But we're in the house of God. Shouldn't we talk about him? 
Amen. If you get a raise, how about giving God some credit for that? Don't try to impress us that you're such a valuable worker. How about, you know what God did for me this week? He gave me a raise, which will allow me to give more to God's work. Are you listening? I'm just saying, if there's ever a group that ought to praise him, and listen, don't misunderstand what I'm going to say because this is a very sensitive subject, but I'm going to say it anyway. When we get to heaven, do you know what we're going to be singing? Praise choruses. Yeah. You know what they're singing right now around the throne? A praise chorus. Yeah. Has four words in it, and one of them is repeated three times. So it's not even a 7-Eleven chorus. <laughs> yeah. Now pay attention to me. Music has become a god in our churches to where we worship. Do you realize that if you go to Africa, Elmer Deal, he he told me, I can't even play some of the videos of songs that we did in Africa. Some of my churches would cancel my support because it doesn't fit American music. Folks, if you can play an instrument, any instrument, play it for God. If you got breath, sing unto God. And I love the hymns. But you're not going to develop a bad spirit in me because someone wants to praise God. I've heard preachers say, yeah, the modern music today, praising God is just like romantic music. It's like someone loving their lover. And then they turn around and preach out of Song of Solomon. I'm just saying, when we have a bad attitude, we just kill our worship. Now, me personally, I like the hymns for corporate worship. You know why? Because it's not just for worship. We're teaching and admonishing one another. And there's a huge difference. When I talk about how wonderful Lori is, it doesn't help you in your life's development at all. There's nothing wrong with praise music. Be careful that you don't, that you develop a bad attitude because then that's going to rob you of the joy of your salvation. But I'd like to thank God's people that are hungry for his word. They'll praise him. Yes. But they're also going to teach right. yeah. with their singing. Yeah, good. Is that helping you any? Yes, I'm talking to you tonight. For you to go up in your prayer life, we need to learn to praise God. Amen. Maybe we can't praise him because we don't know him. Don't know what to talk about. He's holy. He's merciful. He's just. 
one of my favorite adjectives of God, I can hardly say it without a tear coming to my eye in private. Thank you for your loving kindness. Compound word. We're sliding two in at once. He's kind, but he's so lovingly kind. We have a great God. Yes, we do. Amen. And he and he alone is worthy of our praise. Amen. Yes. So praise him. Yes. I'd like to think some of you will get a hold of this truth that Jesus said, pray ye. And with your whole heart, with passion, uh-huh. you'll pour your heart out this week and say, oh God, I'm all in. Whatever you want. Mm-hmm. You want me to be a missionary? Wouldn't it be cool if you had six, eight kids Sunday come and Surrender to full-time ministry. That'd be awesome. Send me their names because we'll start praying in Chicago for them and set money aside for them. I'd look forward to that. Wouldn't that be awesome if some some of the retired folks in the church would say, you know, I'm going to take a month and go to the mission field and just be a caddy for one of my missionaries. Uh, They they don't have to pay me. I've got funds. I, I can take care of myself. I just want to go and be a part of the mission. I want to give a piece of my life Uh to foreign missions. Would some of you pray about doubling and tripling your faith promise? You say, oh, you're just after our money. And I'm going to say, oh, you're you're greedy. You love your money. Mm. If you knew me well enough, I wouldn't want 10 cents of your money. And I give. Since I've been a senior in high school, given 50% of my income, through most of my adult life, given 45% of my income. I'm telling you, there's no greater joy in life than giving to God. Amen. Yes. That's right. worship. Yes. And you worship what you love. Yeah. And you praise. What you worship. That's good. That is Pray good. passionately. Pray persistently. Pray precisely. Pray with faith. And pray with praise. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.